weeks, we've been focusing on the question, who is Jesus? And the answer to that question is that Jesus is the Son of God. There are many implications regarding the fact that Jesus is the Son of God, but we've been focusing our attention on the fact that God spoke through his Son. In Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, it reads, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us through his Son. So we find out that Jesus is the great revealer of God. Jesus is far superior than all the other agents by whom God had revealed his word. We already noted that God had spoken in times past through the prophets. He also spoke through the angels. But Jesus was far superior than the prophets and the angels. When we speak of Christ's superiority to the angels, it says that very specifically in verse 4 of chapter 1, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. If you haven't already, I invite you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 1. That is our text. And we're going to be focusing our attention on many different verses, many of them coming from the book of Hebrews, also from some of the birth narratives of the Lord Jesus Christ. But our main text is Hebrews chapter 1, and in particular, verse 3. But we're starting at verse 4 that speaks about Christ's superiority to the angels. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 4, having become as much superior to angels. Therefore, since Jesus is superior to the prophets and the angels, we are to listen to what Jesus said. If you look at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Therefore, we must pay much more closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Certainly we were to pay attention to the prophets. Certainly we were to pay attention to the angels that spoke. Well, if that is true, and if Jesus is superior to the prophets and the angels, then the application is how much more should we pay heed to what Jesus had said. We find out that people were accountable to what the angels had communicated. Verse 2. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable. What the angels said was trustworthy. What the angels said was true. What the angels said was not inferior as far as the content of the message was concerned. And the result was that everyone was accountable for listening to the angels. At the end of verse 2. And every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. Well, if that is true, therefore, we bear a greater responsibility to heed the message of Jesus. Verse 3 of chapter 2. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. So now let us, for a brief period of time, consider the analogy of the message that came through the angels and the message that came through Jesus Christ. This is especially appropriate during this Christmas season. For we find that the angels play a significant role 
in the birth narratives in announcing the birth of Jesus and the significance of that birth, namely that he is the Savior. For example, an angel was sent to Joseph to announce the birth of a Savior. Matthew chapter 1, starting with verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was in this way. When his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So the angel announced the birth of Jesus and the significance of that birth. He will save his people from their sins. Joseph heeded the message of the angel and did what the angel told him to do. Matthew chapter 1, verse 22 and following. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord, by the prophet. There we have God speaking by his prophet. It's referring to Isaiah. And in Matthew chapter 123, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And now we find Joseph's obedience to that message, first given by the prophets, then repeated and applied to Jesus by the angel. Verse 24, Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him. The point is that he listened to. He hearkened to the word of the angel. An angel also appeared to the shepherds, announcing the birth of a Savior. In Luke chapter 2, verse 8, it states, And there was in the country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch of their flock by night. And lo, an angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. And now again, the announcement of a birth and the significance of that birth. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. The shepherds believed and acted on the message delivered to them by the angel. Verse 15. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go, even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. The shepherds believed what was told to them. Luke 2.15 And seeing this thing which has come to pass. They didn't say, let us go and see if this thing came to pass, but rather, let's go see what has come to pass. The shepherds believed that the message came ultimately from the Lord and was not simply the word of angels. For at the end of verse 15 it says, which the Lord hath made known unto us. So they took the message of the angel as ultimately coming from the Lord. 
and the shepherds acted upon that message. Verse 15, And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from the heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go, even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass. So they heeded what the angels said. They went to Bethlehem to see this child. What was said by the angels was fulfilled. Luke 2.20, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Once again, the words of the angels were reliable and the shepherds were accountable for what they had said. The point is that if God spoke through the prophets and that was reliable and the people were responsible, and if God spoke through the angels, which were even superior to the prophets, and that was authoritative, that was reliable, and they were accountable for listening to it, well then Jesus, who's the Son of God, being far superior than the prophets and far superior than the angels, how much more should we listen to Jesus? Jesus is superior to the prophets and the angels because of his person. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. He's the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and that he upholds the universe by the word of his power. We looked at that phrase last week, and it denotes the fact that Jesus is the very Son of God. Today, we focus upon the superiority of Christ in his work and glorification. So last week, we saw that Christ was superior to the prophets and the angels in his person. He is the very Son of God. Today, Christ is superior to the prophets and the angels in the work that he does and the glorification in which he receives. Our text is actually Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, where it states, He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. And then this is the phrase that we are going to be considering, or the sentences. After making purification for sins... He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. So our first point this morning is that the superiority of Christ is evidenced in his work. Jesus did not merely announce salvation. Jesus actually accomplished salvation salvation. Both the prophets and the angels announced a Savior, but Jesus was actually that Savior. If you look at Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, in the middle of the verse, it says, after making purification for sins. Jesus made the purification for sins, meaning that Christ did all that was necessary in removing our sins and reconciling us to God. Making purification could also be translated purging our sins or cleansing us from our sins. That is the complete 
removal of sins. To be cleansed means that the worshiper is without spot or blemish, and that the worshiper is made fully acceptable to God, with nothing to separate the worshiper from fellowship with God. He purged sins. And in order to purge sins, Jesus had to do two things. First, Jesus Christ had to serve as a high priest in offering a sacrifice for sin. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, you see all of these initial verses in Hebrews chapter 1 are unpacked throughout the entirety of the book of Hebrews. Now, this is a summary statement in the beginning which is elaborated on throughout the rest of the book of Hebrews. And Christ serving as a high priest is first discussed in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he, that is Christ, himself likewise, partook of the same, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. And then here's the application. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. The high priest on the Day of Atonement offered a sacrifice in order to purge the children of Israel from their sins. He then would take the blood from that sacrifice and enter into the most holy place where was found the Ark of the Covenant. And on top of that Ark of the Covenant was a mercy seat. And the high priest would apply the blood of the sacrifice to that mercy seat. That is described in Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 and 12. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not the creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood thus securing an eternal redemption. The high priest in the Old Testament entered into the tabernacle, entered into the holy place where was the Ark of the Covenant, where was the mercy seat, and applied the blood to the mercy seat. Saying that Jesus entered the true holy place, that is, the very presence of God. And there he presented the blood of the sacrifice in order for sins to be purged. But Christ not only served as high priest in offering a sacrifice for sins, Jesus was actually the sacrifice as well. When Jesus entered the holy place, it wasn't with the blood of goats and bulls, but it was his own shed blood 
that he shed on Calvary. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12, it says, He entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, with the result that thus securing an eternal redemption. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Hebrews 9, 13, and 14. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through his eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify, cleanse our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? So Jesus provided the means for sins to be purged by offering a sacrifice as a high priest and being that very sacrifice himself. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, after making purification for sins. This is how Jesus did it. He offered a sacrifice for sins. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And it was his own blood that he offered for the sins to be forgiven. The result is number two. Our acceptance with God is accomplished as evidenced by Jesus' own acceptance with God. Let me say that again. Our acceptance with God is accomplished as evidenced by Jesus' own acceptance with God. For at the end of Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, it says, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So what does that connote? Well, actually a number of things. First, is being seated at the right hand of God speaks to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. After he made a purification for sins, he rose from the dead and is seated at the right hand of God. Hebrews chapter 7, 23 states, The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing into office. But he, that is Christ, holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Jesus died and rose again and therefore is now seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty on high. Jesus conquered sin and death. Jesus' being seated on the right hand speaks of his place of dignity and honor. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 9. But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, speaking of Christ and his birth, when he took upon himself humanity, says, namely, Jesus crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death. So this Jesus, who for a little while was made a little lower than the angels, because of the suffering of his death, because he purged our sins, now 
he is seated at the right hand of God. Now his glory is revealed. And the acceptance of his sacrifice is seen in the fact that he is now glorified. He is not condemned. He is not separated from God the Father. But his sacrifice was fully acceptable unto God. And God welcomes him into his presence and gives him great glory. Well, Jesus' acceptance into glory assures our acceptance into glory. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 26. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. But not only is Jesus in glory, but we will be with him in glory if we have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. For Hebrews 2.10 says, For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory. So as Jesus is now in the very presence of God in glory, so too he will bring many others with him in glory. While Jesus was on earth, he prayed a high priestly prayer in John chapter 17, shortly before his death. And in that prayer, Jesus said this, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. So Jesus' prayer was that we would be with him in glory to behold the glory that he had with the Father even before creation. So his being seated at the right hand assures that we will be in the presence of God, having made purification for sins if we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus being seated at the right hand of the Father speaks of the finished nature of his work. He is seated because there is no more work for him to do. He is seated because the work is accomplished. It is finished. He has made purification for sins. There's nothing else that Jesus needs to do in order to make us acceptable to God. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 27 says, He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily for his own sins and then for those of the people. Since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. There is no more need for a sacrifice for sins. Our sins have been purged. 
he is seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. Then lastly, Jesus being seated at the right hand of the majesty on high speaks of his authority. Being at the right hand of God is the place of supreme authority. Jude 25 reads, To the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority. Before all time, now, and forevermore. Amen. A place of majesty is ultimately a place of dominion and authority. Jesus, as being at the right hand of God, in majesty, is given rule over all things. Hebrews chapter 2, starting at verse 5. For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere, what is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now, in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside of his control. Jesus is ruler over all things. It goes on to say, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. That is that Jesus is not actively taken on the full extent of his rule that he will when he returns to this earth. But all rule has been given to him. All authority over all aspects of creation has been given to the Lord Jesus Christ. The overarching application of this great truth is to be that we are heeding the word of Jesus. We are heeding the message of Jesus. God spoke in time past under the fathers by the prophets. God spoke through the angels. But in these last days, he spoke to us by his son. By his son. And if people were accountable for what the prophets said, if people were accountable for what the angels said, how much more are we going to be accountable for what Jesus said? And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Jesus is the sole means by which people can be saved. Jesus came into this world to be a Savior. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be unto all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. That is the message of Christmas. A Savior has been born. And Jesus spoke to us a message of salvation. We are to listen to Jesus. 
For Jesus did not merely announce that a Savior was born. Jesus was that very Savior that was born. Jesus actually saved us from our sins if we place our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. He purged our sins. He took them away. He cleansed us from all sin and unrighteousness. So as we think about that great message, the application is pretty straightforward. First of all, have you trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? The scripture asks the question, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation which was spoke to us by the Lord? How will we escape? There will be no escape. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Believe in him. Acknowledge your need of forgiveness from sin and trust in Jesus Christ. And if you have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, then continue to heed his word, continue to walk with him, continue to listen to what he has to say, for he is the very son of God, the one who rules over all things and is to rule over our lives as well. Let us pray. Our Father, I pray for anyone who is under the sound of this message, that if they have never, ever placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that today would be that day. I pray that they would, at this time, just bow their heads and ask for forgiveness from their sin based solely upon the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ the one who has entered into your presence, the one who is acceptable, having made sacrifice for sins and is seated at your own right hand, a, a place of majesty and glory, a place where we too will sit one day if we have placed our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that he rules over all things and one day is coming again. So, Lord, uh, help us to obey the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. May we exalt and honor him through our obedience and love of the word. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.